Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and today on the show, I'm going to take you through three vehicles that I've dealt with recently. They all have to do with network communication problems. And of course, I get called in a lot on these because they can be challenging. And we've talked about a number of network issues before, but You know, it's what keeps coming up and I keep seeing this and it keeps challenging technicians out in the field. And so I thought it would be beneficial to continue to share these case studies and my uh, diagnostic strategies and, you know, where sometimes where I come up short to the challenges that we all face and uh, how we can get through them. So uh, that's why I decided to go with that this week. Um, I hope everybody had a great 4th of July. Uh, You know, if you're in the States, uh, it's one of my favorite times of the year, favorite holiday for sure. Um, Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed their weekend, maybe got a little time off from work. Um, But of course, we're back at it. So Um, Let's get into this. The first vehicle that I'm going to be talking about today is a 2014 Hyundai Sonata. The reason I was called into the shop to look at this Sonata is the customer complaint was that their vehicle ran rough for a period of time. I didn't get much more explanation than that. And there were multiple warning lights on the dash. The AC did not function. And I think that's all they had on the ticket. So Kind of vague, but uh, in this case, I'm just going to see if I can duplicate these systems. And of course, we're going to do an all-vehicle scan. So right away going into it, I didn't know that this was going to be a network issue. Of course, that's what it ended up being. But, um, and I think most of us know this, uh, if not, you should uh, do an all-system scan on any (laughs) vehicle you're working on nowadays. Um, it's, It's so worth it. Even if you're just you know, doing a basic repair, it's good to have that pre-scan no matter what, just to cover your butt, right? To show that, yeah, these codes were in here when you brought the car to us and here's the pre-scan to prove it. So really important. But of course, if we're diagnosing a problem, we're trying to figure out what's going on with the car. It's critical that we go after the entire vehicle. We get the big picture and I think every scan tool nowadays uh, will do this uh, pretty easily. Um, I was using an Autel on this one and I did the vehicle scan and just about every module uh, that I communicated with that was on the network came up with codes. Um, and almost all of the codes that were in all of these modules ended up being communication or network codes. So the U code, um, there were some C codes, but they all had to do with uh, missing messages from other modules. Uh, codes stating that there was an issue with the CAN network itself. And this was the common theme across all the modules that I scanned in the vehicle. Okay. So um, based on that, now I'm thinking, okay, we're going after a network issue. But all of these codes, every single one of them, they were all history 
Okay, meaning that uh, this was not a hard fault. It was not present right now. And of course, the vehicle started up. It ran fine. Their AC worked. Um, I think there was at least one light on the dash, but it wasn't lit up like a Christmas tree, uh, like the symptoms had described to me. Um, basically, at this point, it's not exhibiting the symptoms that they're talking about. And I have all these codes, but they're all history. So we might be dealing with an intermittent network issue, which can be extremely challenging if you can't get it to act up. So in this case, um, you know, I asked the service writer if there was any more information on this. He didn't have any, uh, but he was going to contact the customer and see if he could get some more info. Of course, as technicians, we don't always get the firsthand information right from the customer. And if you work with a service writer every day, you can kind of train them. You can use interview sheets. But for me as a mobile technician, um, I almost never deal directly with the customer and I'm not in these shops enough to train a service writer on what information to get. So um, it can be tricky sometimes. But anyways, while I was waiting, I decided I'm just going to play around with this thing and see if I can get it to act up. And what I mean by that is I might go drive it around the parking lot. I might uh, start activating things, give it a good visual inspection. Maybe you won't find anything. Maybe you will, but uh, just taking a look under the hood, you never know. Maybe find some wires that are chewed up. Um, I had a Ford recently that that's all it took. It was a good look under the hood and I found where the mouse had been. But anyways, it, what I did with this actually is I put it into reverse to back it to back the vehicle out of its spot. And as soon as I did that, I noticed that the backup camera, which has a information display on the, you know, in the center console there, it was just blue. Uh, the backup camera didn't work. And I didn't think it a whole lot of that right at that moment. I just observed it. And then when I shifted out of reverse to go, you know, neutral and then drive, all of a sudden I've got my problem for this vehicle. Um, all the lights come on the dash, the tack drops down to zero, the engine's still running, um, but I've got a Christmas tree on the dash, and I was like, oh, okay, well, now, now it's happening. <laughs> Let's get in there with the scan tool and see what's going on, uh, see you know what modules are communicating and which ones aren't. Well, with this happening, and I basically just sat there and drive because I didn't want to disturb anything, um, I tried to communicate and do my all-system scan again, the exact same one that I just did. I went through everything, and nothing on the high-speed bus would communicate with my scan tool. Basically, just got no response from just about everything on the vehicle. And this car has a number of modules on uh, this network. So obviously, that's what I've got going on. And I quick-scoped the network uh, with my U-scope and I kind of knew what I was going to see, but I'm always curious to see, you know, is the network shorted to ground? Is it shorted to itself? Is it shorted to power? Is there a abnormal message? Because that can, in some cases, give me an idea of what problem is present on the network, right? If you have a really abnormal message that's very repetitive, sometimes that can be from a failed module. Not always. There can be some other issues that will cause that too. But, you know, a short to ground is going to be completely different. Or if there's you know, five volts shorted to the uh, the communication lines, the odds of that being a module are also pretty high. But anyways, I scoped the CAN bus, take a look at it. And what I did see was that very repetitive, um, abnormal message. You know, it's a voltage pulse, but it's not a data packet. Um, and it was very repetitive. It just kept going, kept going. And basically 
didn't allow anything else to happen on the network. No modules could talk to each other because something is putting out nonsense on the network, basically. And again, we could probably gather that from not being able to communicate with anything with the scan tool, but I verified, okay, that's what's going on. So now where do I go with this? Because there is a ton of uh, control modules on this vehicle and uh, trying to pick a path um, might be a little bit challenging. But I always think it's important to take a look at the network on a diagram to get uh, an overall understanding of how the network is constructed. And, you know, maybe you have a topology on your scan tool that's becoming more and more common. And that's a great way to get a good understanding of what's present on the vehicle, how many networks, which modules are on which network, which modules are equipped on that vehicle. Um, but in this case, the diagram was the best way for me to go. And I used a redrawn diagram. Um, I like those in some cases because they contain the entire network on you know, maybe one, two, or three pages, depending on the size of the network. And so I take a look at that redrawn network diagram for this Hyundai, and I'm just looking through the modules to see what's on there. Okay. And I can compare that to my scan tool as well, but I like the visual representation of a diagram. Well, I'm going through the modules, um, just looking this over, and I happen to notice that the rear view camera is actually hardwired to the CAN bus network on this vehicle. Now, why is that significant? Well, I did note that the rear view camera did not work, okay? And my symptoms did not present themselves until I shifted the vehicle from park to reverse and then to neutral and drive, right? It was the change of what gear I was in that actually got the symptoms to present themselves. So I'm kind of just going to go for, you know, the low hanging fruit here. And I put the vehicle back into park. The pattern on the waveform did not change, but I left the vehicle running, you know, so I still have a hard fault. And what I'm considering now is, is when that rear view camera, which is obviously in the rear trunk lid above the license plate, when that was activated, when I put it into reverse, something is wrong with that camera, which is also a module, again, because it actually talks on the CAN network. Something is wrong with that camera and it's causing it to take down the network. Okay, so how do we prove this? Well, it's actually pretty easy. You pull the panel off the inside of the trunk lid. There's a connector right there. I've got CAN lines there, okay, going to my camera. Um, and all I have to do is unplug this. Now, this was kind of just a guess, right? Like I said, I'm just kind of going for the low-hanging fruit here. Um, I didn't have a whole lot else to go on besides the fact that, hey, okay, when I shipped it in reverse, all of a sudden we have the problems plus the camera didn't work. All right. And this may not get me anywhere, but in this case, it worked out for me. Uh, you know, sometimes we get lucky. So um, I unplugged the uh, connector there, basically disconnecting the camera from the rest of the network. And I'm scoping the network right there at the same time with my U-scope. I just went across the two CAN lines and all of a sudden I get uh, my communication back. Everything is uh, working the way it's supposed to on that network. You know, uh, one and a half, two and a half, and or I'm sorry, two and a half to one and a half and two and a half to three and a half. That's what we're looking for on a high speed CAN network. And of course, at that point, I can communicate with everything on my scan tool. Um, everything's back, ready to go. Of course, 
it does not have the rear uh, rear view camera. Um, now, interestingly enough, you cannot communicate with the rear camera via the scan tool. It's not a it's not an option to actually pull codes from it. Maybe with the Hyundai tool, that's different, but with the Autel, I, I don't believe that's an option. There is, however, a rear view camera control module. So this was interesting because both the camera itself and the camera module, which is under the dash, so don't get it confused, they're both on the CAN bus with separate wires, which I thought was interesting. And I looked at the diagram. There's actually a video line you know, for the actual video that the camera is taking in that goes to the rear view camera module that then feeds the information display in the center console. So the video is not being transferred over the CAN bus. And I don't believe that's done in any circumstance. There's a dedicated hard line for uh, video information. If you've ever scoped one of those wires, it's a very interesting pattern. Um, but why I was just curious as to why the rear view camera itself was on the CAN bus. And here's my guess, and this is just a guess. It needs to know when the vehicle's in reverse to activate. Okay. Cause it based on the diagram, the camera's always got a power and ground when the ignition's on, but it's not activated until you put the vehicle into reverse. Okay. So it's going to get that information over the CAN bus, right? So once we activated it, it came awake, started talking nonsense. And then that's when we had our problem. Again, that's just a guess as to why, but I did want to make you aware there's a separate module, even though you could consider the camera itself a module, right? It's, um, participating in the CAN bus. Uh, it was not participating in the way that the vehicle uh, preferred in this case. So the fix is leave the camera unplugged or replace the camera. This one's fixed. Okay. Um, and that was pretty straightforward and easy. Again, I got a little lucky, um, but paying attention to little details like that uh, can definitely help point you in the right direction. Okay. The next one I've got is a 2008 Chrysler Sebring. This was a no crank, no start uh, vehicle that they called me in for. Um, of course, I went in, I confirmed this, you hit the key, there's nothing. There's some lights on the dash, uh, the Prindle display, uh, where it shows park, reverse, neutral, uh, drive, low. It was there, but it was and it had a square around each one of those letters, meaning that it's not getting the information as to what gear the vehicle's in, um, which you know, right away indicates, hey, we might have some communication issues on this Chrysler vehicle. So once again, I'm going to plug in with a scan tool. I'm going to do an all system scan on this. I want to see what's going on. And I was actually kind of surprised because it ID'd the vehicle and I was kind of thinking, okay, we're not going to have uh, any communication here, but I did. So when I did the all system scan, only three modules came up on this vehicle. It was the ABS, the TIPM, which Autel shows as the central gateway, just in case anybody's using that tool, but it's the tip on the underhood fuse box. Uh, and then also the PCM. So PCM, ABS, and tip were the only modules that came up from a full system scan. Now this is a 2008. It has many more modules than just those three. All right. So I'm assuming that there is going to be some communication problems here, but once again, I need to understand the network. Right. I need to understand how is this constructed? What modules should I be looking for? How are they divided? Is there more than one network? Um, so let's get a diagram and take a look at this again. 
So uh, pull out my diagram for this one. Uh, again, I did a redrawn in this case on this Chrysler vehicle. And I take a look and it just so happens that those three modules that I can talk to, the PCM, the TIPM, and the TIPM's the gateway. We'll get back to that. But the PCM, the TIPM, and the ABS are all on the CAN C bus. Okay, so you can consider that the high speed CAN bus, but Chrysler calls it a CAN C bus. And everything else on the car, and there's a potential for 11 more modules on this vehicle. Not all of them are equipped. There's seven that I know of that are there for sure, but 11 more modules that are potential, they're all on the CAN B bus. So that's a lower speed bus. So you can consider it the body can bus. And it's a number of modules that are on a separate network. Um, now that can B bus is also connected to the TIPM. Again, the TIPM is the gateway. And in this case, there's a diagnostic can between my scan tool and the TIPM. And then the TIPM links to the other two networks. So obviously I can talk to my TIPM because I'm able to talk to the CAN C bus. And again, I got PCM and I've got ABS. I have nothing else. Okay. So, you know, why doesn't it start? Well, obviously we have a network issue, but the security module, the WCM in this case, uh, that is for the anti-theft needs to be able to communicate with the PCM in order for it to crank. That's not happening. So we're not going to get any uh, engine operation in this case. And there might be some other things that would disable it, but I know that for sure. I need to resolve this communication issue and it'll most likely fix my no crank, no start. So what's on this can B bus? We've got stuff like the cluster. I mentioned the anti-theft. Uh, we've got the airbag module, the radio, the door modules. There's a few others as well. Again, potential for 11. And when you have a no communication scenario, you can see all the potential modules, but you don't always know what's equipped on that vehicle. And sometimes that's easy to figure out. Sometimes it's not. In this case, again, I was sure of seven modules. Uh, there could have been a couple more. Again, at this point, I'm not 100%, but I'm going to go after the modules that I know or on that vehicle and see what's going on. But before I start digging into that, again, I look at my diagram, I get a good understanding of how this is constructed. And now I want to scope the network just like I did before. Let's see what's present on there. Is it short to ground, short to power, weird abnormal message uh, being pulsed out? Um, what's happening on this can be bus? And I chose to go right at the tip uh, You can't access this network. Actually, you can't really access any network from the DLC in this vehicle because it's a diagnostic can. So I'm going to go to my gateway module, my tip on, which is the underhood fuse block, and I'm going to tie into the network right there and see what I've got. So I do that, my U-scope, super, super handy. All you got to do is pop that module up, tie right in. And you could go elsewhere, but I decided to go right at the tip on, uh, just because I knew I would find those wires there and it's right under the hood. So I scope it and what I end up finding was on one side of the can, I was getting a little bit of something that looked like a message, but it didn't quite look right. On the other side of the can, I think it was the high side, I was actually getting a straight five volts constant. Anytime the key was on, five volts was present on that can high. Now, do keep in mind the voltage levels for a can B bus are going to be different uh, than our uh, powertrain can that you would see in most vehicles. Um, 
So it won't look exactly the same, but it should never be a flat voltage if communication should be happening, right? With the key on, the battery charged, we should have voltage pulses. We should have a square wave and data packets. I've got five volts on this line and that's not right. So I need to figure out, okay, what's causing this? And again, I'm thinking that's most likely a module that is shorting that side of the network uh, to five volts. Is it potential that some five volt reference could be, uh, you know, actually bleeding voltage in somewhere? You know, we've got a couple wires that are touching each other somewhere or something's happening. It's possible, but most likely this is caused by a module. Um, and, you know, it's not a short to ground, right? If it's short to ground, that could easily be a wire rubbing up against anything metal on the vehicle. That's pretty common. But for power or a specific voltage to be shorted to that network, again, most likely a module. And so that's what I'm going to go after in this case. So how do we tackle this? How do we figure out which module is putting that out? Um, well, I'm right there at the tipum and I do want to consider that the tipum, you know, I can communicate with it, but that could still be pro causing the problem. It could be taking out that one network, the CAN B, and then functioning you know, on everything else, the CAN C and its normal communication. That's a possibility. And tipums are very, very common in this age of Chrysler vehicle. So all I did was I unplugged the connector that had the CAN B uh, bus wires going into it. And I monitored the voltage level on the scope. Um, of course, you want to be careful with unplugging tipums or, you know, power distribution centers because you might kill power to everything. But I just did the one connector and I looked and I still had the, um, the five volts. I think it actually fluctuated a little bit when I did this, but there was still a short two voltage on that side. So at this point, I'm thinking, okay, it's not my tipum uh, that's causing this is issue. So I plug that back in and now I need to decide how am I going to start to eliminate modules? Um, now I could go around the vehicle and unplug these modules one by one, dig them out, you know, take panels off, figure out where these things are at. That's an option, but I think there is a much more efficient way to find out which module is causing the problem or at least eliminate some modules, um, so you don't have to take things apart and unplug modules one by one. And the way to do this is to split the network, right? And I've talked about this before. We divide and conquer this network while we're monitoring it with the scope. And you got to have a scope to do this. If you don't have a scope, this is going to be very difficult or at least much more challenging uh, to effectively find the problem because of the scope, I got a visual representation of what's happening on that network and I can divide it into sections and watch that scope. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Now, again, for this to be possible, I have to have a good diagram of the network. Okay. I need to find a spot in that network, preferably a connector where I can split it into two or into subsections. Now, here's where using a redrawn diagram that you would find, I mean, all data Mitchell and Identifix all have the redrawn diagrams, the, the not OE diagram. This is where they have a disadvantage in some cases. And I found this to be true, particularly on Chrysler vehicles, uh, right? You know, some, some redrawn diagrams are just wrong, but on these network diagrams, um, for the redrawn style, they generally don't include connectors. 
in the diagram, right? The connector's there on the vehicle, but you don't see it on the diagram. And I want to know where any connectors are where I can split this network. Now, here's what you do instead. Switch over to the OE diagram. Now, personally, I don't like Chrysler's OE network diagrams because they split it amongst seven or eight pages that I've got to scroll through. I want to see it on one page or maybe two and just have a whole picture of the whole network in front of me. That's when I'm trying to wrap my head around what modules are there and how is it configured. But in this case, I need to know where the connectors are. So in this case, I'm going to have to scroll through some pages of the OE diagrams. But the advantage the OE diagram has is that there are connectors that show you, you know, throughout the system, where can I unplug something and split this network into two? Okay, so just for reference here, the only connector that I found that would work for this, um, obviously at the modules, I could unplug those, but there was a C114. And C114 is under the dash right next to the OBD2 connector. So very easy to access, which is very helpful. And when I unplug C114, what I'm essentially doing now, now, keep in mind what I'm doing is that I'm tied into the network with my U-scope at the tip-up, right? So that, I guess you can consider it the start of the network, right? Um, in reference to my scan tool anyways, I guess. But I'm, I'm at the tip-up, right? And then so those wires go into the vehicle and they're going to sp split off. You know, it's going to, it, it is a bus. It splits off into different legs, different modules. But when I unplug that C114, I'm disconnecting basically everything under the dash slash interior of the vehicle. Or maybe I shouldn't say interior of the vehicle. Maybe I should say dash center console. I'm disconnecting any module that is on that can B bus. So I unplug this and again, I'm tied in right at my tip on and I've disconnected several modules that are underneath the dash and looking at a diagram this might make a little bit more sense but stay with me here my short to five volts remains on that network after i unplug this um, and one word of caution you know sometimes when we unplug these connectors we might be killing power to modules too so be aware of that it didn't come into play in this scenario but just keep that in mind but i disconnect this i'm cutting everything off of the network that's under the dash, but I still have my short two five volts. Okay. Now going back to my diagram, I want to see, is there anything still connected to the network between C114 and the tipum, right? Because this is under the dash, the tipum's under the hood. We've got some wiring there. Is there any other legs off of that network between C114 and the tipum? And I'm assuming there is because I still have a short to five volts, right? And I am pretty confident it's not the tip of itself. So I look at my diagram and I only have two more options, right? So everything else downstream of that C114, I don't care about at this point. I don't care what modules they are. They don't matter. They're not my problem. But what is in between, only two modules left. Now, now there were others, but it didn't 
uh, they were not equipped on my particular vehicle. So I'm not even worried about those either. It was like a power top module. This was not a convertible. And then it had some right-hand drive and then non-security vehicles, uh, right? But those modules don't exist. So again, I only have two more possible modules that are connected to the bus between C114 and the Tipum where I'm scoping. And that is the driver and the passenger door control modules. Okay, so these are the actual switch, or I'm sorry, they're not the switch assemblies. It's a module, is behind the door panel, and it runs all the door functions, okay? So this is going to be pretty simple at this point. All I'm going to do is I'm going to unplug the connectors in the door jams, and they actually have connectors at the door jam itself. I'm not even taking a panel off of this thing. I'm just going to unplug the door jam connectors and basically eliminate the door modules from this network while I'm monitoring it, right? So I actually plugged C14, C114 back together because uh, again, I'm not concerned about those modules. And I started with the driver's door. I unplug the connector in the door jam. I hear the dash bing, which was a good sign. And I look at my U-scope. I've got communication. I've got data packets being transferred. The short to five volts is gone. Reach in, start the vehicle, fires up. Everything communicates. It's the driver's door control module. So I got lucky on this one too. I mean, it would have been either that or the passenger side, but um, I got lucky on the first try there and it was the driver's door control module. All right, so I'll replace that and fix it. Um, and so that was it on this one. Driver's door control module, taking down the CAN-B bus, preventing the vehicle from starting. Anything on these networks uh, can really cause this sort of thing to happen. All right. Uh, the final vehicle that we have here today is a 2018 Dodge Durango GT, the 3.6 liter. Uh, this was a no start, no crank. Nothing happens when you hit the push button. This is a push button start and the alarm is constantly going off. So lights are flashing. They pulled the horn uh, fuse or the horn relay because the horn was consistently going off, uh, killing the battery because the alarm won't stop going off. Um, I was called in to look at this one. So when I got to this, they verify everything they're talking about. When you hit the button, you see a message on the dash that says no key detected. And they had been messing around with some keys and uh, a radio frequency hub, and they weren't able to make any progress. You know, they thought it was a key issue or maybe the RF hub, which we'll talk about that's involved in operating the vehicle and looking at uh, the key signal for a push button start or passive entry. Um, it makes sense based on the symptoms that we're having with this thing, but they weren't able to make any progress on it. So uh, I decided I want to hook up to this thing and scan it. Uh, so I hooked up my Autel and this is something, just a note that I wanted to make about uh, this vehicle. It's a 2018 Chrysler product. Um, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the secure gateway module on these newer Chrysler vehicles. And I believe it started in 18 and just about everything going forward is set up with a secure gateway, which means you can, I think, read codes, maybe data. That might be it. Um, you're very, very limited in what you can do on these vehicles um, if you can't get past the secure gateway. And the only way to do that is one of two ways. Uh, and I guess you could consider it more, but you have to have the YTAC application 
uh, with a Tech Authority account, or you have to have your Autel Snap-on, I think Launch, I'm sure there's others, registered with AutoAuth, which is a fee that you pay yearly. And what it does is it connects basically your scan tool to the Chrysler server and allows it to access the vehicle through the secure gateway because the secure gateway is basically the first stop after the DLC in this vehicle that allows you to do things like bi-directional controls and talk to all the modules and everything that you want to do uh, if you're going to diagnose a vehicle. So just be aware of that on newer Chrysler vehicles, you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to invest in one of those methods uh, in order to uh, run your normal scan tool functions. Well, anyways, I have the Ytech Micropod 2, and that's what I was using on this vehicle. So I get in past Secure Gateway, log into my Tech Authority account, and really what I want to do here is scan the vehicle. Now, the key won't turn on. You know, when we hit the button, the dash does not light up. We don't get, uh, you know, a, a normal ignition operation when we do that. But even so, on these push-button start vehicles... If there's no ignition function, you should still be able to communicate with certain modules, even in a key off scenario. And those specific modules are really going to depend on the vehicle because there's so many different options out there. But there's going to be some sort of module that's in charge of distributing power, that's in charge of looking at the key, um, things like that that have to happen you know, before everything can actually turn on, right? When we hit that button, the car's got to look to see, is the proper key located within the vehicle? Okay, it is. Let's actually turn on everything and allow the vehicle to start. And I expect to be able to talk to whatever module or modules that is, even with the key off. Okay, so that's my uh, strategy here. That's what I want to look at is, is the wrong key being recognized? Uh, can I not talk to one of these modules? Uh, what's, what's actually happening here? So uh, when I do this scan, um, I was able to talk with, I think, two or three modules. The other two didn't matter. They weren't critical for vehicle operation. Uh, the one that I could talk to that was important was the radio frequency hub. And this is in the left rear corner of the vehicle behind a panel. It's in charge of things uh, like TPMS and also um, it's going to be in charge of the keyless entry and the keyless start, right? So you can keep the key in your pocket. You can hit the button on the handle. It unlocks it. Um, it's going to run all the antennas in the vehicle to recognize that the keys in the vehicle. When you hit the button on the dash, it'll allow everything to happen. Okay. And I can communicate with this module. So this is an important module to be able to communicate with. Um, nothing else that's critical on this vehicle. So as I sit here in the vehicle, I'm not super familiar with the starting system. And so I'm just looking at the vehicles. And what's nice about YTech is they give you a nice uh, topology that's live of all the modules on the vehicle. And when I'm looking at this, my radio frequency hub is, uh, you know, it's, it's lit up, it's talking, there's codes in there. We'll get to that in a moment. And most of the modules are red. And I kind of expect that in a kiosk scenario, but I'm looking at all these modules and I'm saying, okay, based off of what's on my screen here without, you know, going too deep into description and operation just yet, I'm just 
trying to get an overall sense of what's happening. My question to myself is what other modules should I be able to talk to right now? What logically makes sense without, again, I, I haven't dove too far into what runs what. You know, I'm not super familiar with an 18 Dodge just yet. I actually, this is probably one of the first ones that I've done an in-depth diagnosis on. But anyways, I'm looking at these modules and there's not a tip them in this case. They've kind of gone away from that. They do have a power distribution center under the hood, but it's not functioning. It's not doing the same things as a tip them would traditionally in Dodge vehicles. Um, they've They've actually transitioned a little bit here in these newer vehicles. And of course, you have the secure gateway, which is going to kind of act as a gateway module um, that seems to be working because I could connect to it. I could get to my radio frequency hub. Um, there is also a body control module. And this is an important player on this vehicle for operating the system on the vehicle, actually turning things on and changing the ignition state. And my BCM is red on my topology screen, meaning that I have no communication with it, right? And if I try to communicate with it, I don't have anything. So right off the bat, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, I can't talk to my BCM. That's interesting. But let's see what codes are present in this radio frequency hub. Let's see what's in here. So I go into the radio frequency hub and I have four codes. I'm not going to list the numbers. They don't really matter. There are three of them are U codes, um, but it's no communication with the PCM powertrain control module, no communication with the BCM body control module, no communication with the TCM which is transmission control module. Um, and then there was also a seed key missing from ECM, which has to do with the anti-theft, right? It has to link to the ECM to allow the vehicle to start. And my ECM was actually red on that topology screen as well. So basically what I'm getting at here is the communication codes that I had in the radio frequency hub. I, I couldn't talk to those modules either through the scan tool. They were all red. So those were, you know, it's representing what's actually happening on the network is that these modules are not talking to my radio frequency hub. So is this going to be enough to prevent the vehicle from starting? Well, most likely. And again, PCM, TCM, I'm not so worried about those right now. I'm more concerned about body control module. So I did do a little bit of reading here because I want to understand how does the system actually work? Who's in charge of doing what when you hop in and hit that push button? So I'm going to give you a very brief overview. There's more detail to it than this, you know, if you really want to get technical on it. But for a general overview of how this push button start system works, here you go. So you hop in the vehicle. So obviously you got it unlocked, but you hop in the vehicle, you push the button on the dash. And this is going to be what Chrysler is calling their keyless ignition node. So it's kin instead of win used to be wireless ignition node. All right. Same thing. It's in the dash. It's the button, right? So once you hit this button on the dash in the kin, it's going to send a signal to the radio frequency hub. 
Okay. So then the radio frequency hub is going to be like, oh, somebody pushed the button. And so what it's going to do is it's going to utilize the antennas throughout the vehicle to send a signal to your key, which is hopefully in your pocket or in the vehicle somewhere. The key is then going to respond and send a signal back to these antennas, which are connected to the radio frequency hub. And then the radio frequency hub is going to send a signal to the BCM or body control module to basically turn the vehicle on. And if you look at the circuitry, if you look at the wiring diagram, the body control module is in charge of turning on just about everything in the vehicle. And it receives constant power, right? The BCM has four power feeds into it that are always hot and then it decides how to distribute that power it's going to use a series of relays and stuff like that um but that's that's the important part here is, uh, is you know understanding how this works and that the bcm is a key player in turning everything on and for some reason i can't talk to it and neither can the radio frequency hub and that's the breakdown in our start here now why the dash said no key detected, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm assuming because of the no communication with the BCM, it basically halted the progress of actually starting the vehicle and keying it up. And that's what I'm going to go after is how come I can't talk to the BCM? How come my radio frequency hub cannot talk to the BCM? So first step is to access the body control module. It's actually pretty easy to find. It's behind the right kick panel on the passenger side of the vehicle. And like I mentioned, this thing's pretty easy to check for powers and grounds because that's going to be my first check, right? Does the BCM have power and ground in order to power up? It's got four power feeds that are hot always, and it's got two grounds. That's it. Six wires, boom, 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 checked it, and I'm all good. I was just using a test light at this point, but I just want to see, do I got power to this thing? And I do. I have uh, four powers and two grounds. All right, cool. I've got power and ground. What's next? What else do I need to check, right? I can't communicate with this module. Well, the next thing is the communication itself. Let's scope this network. And I haven't done this yet, but this wasn't an uh, instance where an entire network was down. Um, so, you know, I could talk to the radio frequency hub and a couple other modules. Um, but there obviously is a lack of communication here. So I want to make sure is communication, um, is the network connected to the BCM is communication reaching the BCM. So again, I'm going to use my U scope and what I'm going to do here is I'm going to find the can lines. And in this case, it was the can C, but I'm going to find the can lines that go into the BCM. I'm going to back probe them. And I just want to see, is there data packets? Is there voltage? Is something happening? And there was actually. I actually saw what looked to be a pretty decent looking square wave, a normal data packet that we would see on a CAN bus. Okay. So based off of that, I'm getting communication to this BCM. I've got powers and grounds to it. Is it a BCM? And I was considering that, but you know, it's a 2018 and I just want to sit back and think, is there anything else that could be causing this to happen? You know, anytime I call a module, I like to have that thought, right? Like, can I prove this out another way? Or is there something else I'm not thinking of? What else could uh, potentially be causing this problem? So I want to do one more check here. This is what I decided to do, you know, because I back probed it. I want to unplug that connector with those can lines and I want to check them again. I did that. 
I went on the can line. So basically I'm going on the front side of the connector now with my U scope. Um, same scenario. It's just that one specific connector is unplugged from the BCM, not the powers and grounds, just the can lines and whatever else was on that connector. And I'm checking them on the harness side. So I'm basically checking the rest of the network. I have nothing. Zilch, nada, there is no voltage on these two lines. So what's going on here? How come I had it when it was plugged in and I don't now? And this this is an important key to, to note about networks, especially CAN bus. The voltage pulses I saw back probed at that BCM were coming out of the BCM. That was the BCM's attempts to communicate with the rest of the vehicle. But it couldn't because on the other side of that, there's an open. Somewhere downstream on those cam lines, we are completely opened up and the BCM is just yelling off into space and nobody can hear it. And then none of the other modules, particularly in this case, the radio frequency hub, cannot contact the BCM. Okay, so we've got an open in this network, right? And I could do some ohm checks or something here. Um, and I was, I was considering doing that, but I have to get an understanding of the network. And, you know, ohm checking, I think, uh, is more useful in a GM setup where the modules are daisy chained. In a Chrysler vehicle like this, it's a traditional bus style. And imagine a bus is a single wire with multiple legs off of it, right? And so we could have one leg completely split off and it would not affect the resistance of the network unless that leg contained the terminating resistor, okay? And anyways, in this scenario, I didn't know exactly how useful ohm checking was going to be. But it is critical now that I have a very good understanding of the construction of the network so that I can identify where this open is. I need another place to test in the network to see, do I have a signal? Do I have messages here? Do I have network activation here? And then move my way closer to the BCM until I have no network activity. You know, I'll leave the BCM connector unplugged. And once I find you know, where there's no activity, I should identify the open. Okay. So again, looking at my diagram, understanding the network, where's the best place that I can go? Well, on these newer Chrysler vehicles, I don't know exactly when they started it. I want to say it was around 15 or so. I could be off on that. They started using what is called a star connector. And a star connector is uh, kind of like an old GM uh, network splice pack, right? Where you have all the legs of the modules going into one splice pack, a bus bar, if you will, it connects all the legs of the network into one connector. And what's nice about these star connectors is you can unplug each leg of the network individually. Um, and there's actually two of these star connectors. There's one on the left side of the dash, and there's also one on the right side of the center console behind the carpet. Okay. And if you remember where I'm at for the BCM, I'm on the passenger side, right kick panel. And I'm looking at, again, the construction of the network. I think that star connector on the right side of the center console is a great place to start because off of that bus bar is two wires that go to the BCM that allow it to talk with the rest of the network. Well, I'm going to start there and see which direction do I need to go. Do I need to go towards the BCM or do I need to go towards the rest of the network? This is going to be a great place for testing.
So I do that. I pull a carpet back to access the star connector and I find exactly what I'm looking for. There was a rodent that had gotten right to this star connector and he got a little hungry and he chewed up multiple wires. So I'll put a picture of this on the Facebook group so you can see what I'm talking about. Um, but it cut the lines of the BCM and then it also cut the lines uh, for other modules to talk as well. I think the PCM being one of those. But the PCM did need activation from the BCM. So, uh, you know, chicken or the egg thing there. But either way, we found our communication wires that were cut by a hungry rodent. And uh, it's just a simple matter of repairing some wires. So... Um, that's how we found out that one, resolved that vehicle, got it to start. I, I thought it was pretty interesting, and I was talking about this with Adam Ward a couple weeks ago. Uh, you probably heard that on the podcast. I was actually discussing it with Scott Shotton as well. Why mice love wires so much, right? Because we run into this all the time, and maybe it has to do more with where you live, but... Um, it seems to be they just love going for wires and whatever reason they like going for network wires, uh, at least in most cases that I see. But uh, what is it about wires that mice like so much? And like I said, I was discussing it with these guys and um, there was some manufacturers that switched over to a soy-based insulation instead of a petroleum-based insulation. Uh, Toyota being one of them, and actually there's a lawsuit uh, that California is putting against Toyota for some of their vehicles because uh, with the soy-based insulation, the rodents just love eating these things. Um, I was also doing some reading online that uh, their incisors, you know, for mice and rats, they're consistently growing, so they actually have to uh, chew things to keep, uh, you know, to grind down their teeth. And wires are a really good thing for that. Not so much the insulation, but the copper is something that they can hold and then chew on uh, in order to maintain their teeth. So, uh, you know, whatever it is, whatever <laughs> reason that they like them, they sure do. And uh, it creates some interesting, unique problems, right? It's not necessarily going to be a pattern failure because that mouse can choose whatever wire it wants to. Um, but uh, that's what we ended up finding on this one. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So those are my three vehicles for the day. I did want to sum up some network diagnostic strategy lessons here. What did I learn from this? What can we learn from these three vehicles to keep in mind when we're going after network issues? Here's what I got for you. Number one, always study the diagram. Okay, We want to get a good understanding of what the network looks like. How is it constructed? What modules are on here? How many networks? Where's the gateway? Are we hardwired with the DLC? All that stuff we can find out from the, from the diagram. Critical for network diagnostics. On the diagram side of things, the OE diagram can be critical as well, depending on uh, what you're looking for. If you're trying to find connectors, sometimes the redrawings can be wrong or missing uh, things. And that OE wire diagram can really help you out in certain cases. So uh, remember, you may want to use that right off the bat. Um, number two, get a scope. Um, it's going to make your life so much easier uh, to see what's going on on the networks. What do the voltage pulses look like? Is there stuff happening? Is there a short? Is there a weird message? You can only do so much with a voltmeter. So get yourself a U-scope, 160 bucks, totally worth it. It will make this stuff so much easier for you. 
Number three, uh, divide and conquer, right? If we have a shorted network or even a network with weird abnormal messages and we have multiple modules on a network, let's divide that network into sections and see where what side our problem exists, okay? So we would imagine a network with 20 modules on it and you can split it in the middle and you're scoping it and on the left side we still have the problem and the right side everything comes back to life right um, if you can find that connector or that place even if heck if even if you got to cut some wires split that network in half or into subsections and it will allow you to figure out where your problem is without unplugging each module individually so remember it's a very effective technique on vehicles that have multiple modules on a network number four CAN bus signals come from every module on the network, okay? And that pertains to our BCM, right? When I back probed that BCM on the Durango, I had messages. They were coming out of the BCM going nowhere. But when I unplugged it, I had nothing because it was open, right? We have to remember that just because we see messages on a network wire, it doesn't mean that that is connected to the rest of the network. If I would have scoped at that BCM and had a second channel somewhere else on the network, let's say the radio frequency hub, I would have seen voltage pulses on both, but they would have been different messages, if you're looking at a network, anywhere on the network, it should be this exact same message, right? Everything should be the same. And it, the CAN bus is going to use an arbitration method to do that to know who is supposed to talk and when on that network. But no matter where you're at, it should be the same message. But if you're just looking at a single point of the network, you don't know if that's the same as another spot, you might need two channels on your scope for that. Or like I did, I disconnected the module and the network went silent because there was nothing else left to talk to. So keep that in mind that the messages, even the bias voltage on a powertrain can comes from every module on the network. As long as it has power on ground, it will attempt to talk on that network. So don't be fooled by that. You could have an open and have basically two separate networks at that point where modules can't talk to each other. All right. And finally, mice love wires. All right. That's what I got for you today. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Again, have a great 4th of July, or I hope you had a great 4th of July. That's all I've got for you today. Let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time. <laughs>